Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Thursday, January 11th. The most important moment on the night of CNN's Republican presidential primary debate in Iowa may have come a little before the debate even started when former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie dropped out of the race and said this. I want to promise you this. I am going to make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump to ever be president of the United States again. And that's more important than my own personal ambition. Christie fears for us all what another Trump presidency could bring, and he means it. Christie did accidentally step on his message a little, though, despite the heartfelt speech we just sampled from there, when he was accidentally caught on tape saying something quietly to someone about the remaining challengers to Trump, Nikki Haley, and Ron DeSantis. This begins with what Christie said about Nikki Haley. And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's, gonna, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Oh, he's, I, t- you know, I talked to De- DeSantis called me, petrified so that I would. He's probably getting out after Iowa. So we weren't supposed to hear that, but we did. Haley's going to get smoked and she's not up to this, he said. DeSantis called him and he's petrified. Still, though, Christie's exit could actually help Haley beat Donald Trump in New Hampshire next week, and that would be huge. We'll talk about that. But once again last night, the two candidates in this last debate before next Monday's Iowa caucuses did not want to say much about the guy who declined to appear. It wasn't for a lack of trying to get it out of them, though, by CNN co-moderator Jake Tapper. Governor Haley, when, when uh, Governor Christie dropped out of the race just a few hours ago, he said the most important issue is, quote, the character of the candidate. Uh, Governor Christie also said he ran because he knew he would be the only Republican candidate to speak the truth about former President Donald Trump. Do you believe Donald Trump has the character to be president again? Well, I think the next president needs to have moral clarity. I think you need to have moral clarity to understand that it's taxpayer money, not your own money. I think you need to have moral clarity to understand that when you're dealing with dictators in the world, that we always have to fight for democracies and human rights and protecting Americans and preventing war. And so when you look at Donald Trump, I have said, I think he was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies, but his way is not my way. I I don't have vengeance. I don't have vendettas. I don't take things personally. For me, it's very much about no drama, no whining, and getting results and getting them done. So I don't think that President Trump is the right president to go forward. I think it's time for a new generational leader that's going to go and make America proud again. That's what I'm going to try and do. Governor DeSantis, what is your response to Chris Christie? Do you believe Donald Trump has the character to be president again? Well, I'm running because I'm the guy that's going to be able to engineer a comeback for this country. I appreciated what President Trump did, but let's just be honest. He said he was going to build a wall and have Mexico pay for it. He did not deliver that. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He did not deliver that. He said he was going to hold Hillary accountable, and he let her her off the hook. He said he was going to eliminate the debt, and he added $7.8 trillion to the debt. So we need to deliver and get this stuff done. With me now on these developments and more is Aaron Blake, senior political reporter for The Washington Post and author of their campaign moments, 
newsletter. Aaron, thanks for coming on with us when you've had so much to write about in the last few days. Welcome back to WNYC. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on again. Can we start with the Chris Christie exit? Should we think of him like people think of Liz Cheney, you know, like a conservative Republican on most things, but genuinely concerned for the future of the republic if Trump is elected again? So he was willing to run, knowing almost certainly full well that he would lose, in fact, what some people call get humiliated, at least in terms of the percentage of Republicans supporting him, just so he could make that case in the spotlight a number of times? I think that's the most appropriate parallel. Uh, Chris Christie, much like Liz Cheney, chose a path that very obviously marginalized him and probably brought an end to his political career. Uh, Liz Cheney had one of the biggest primary defeats in her House race uh, in in her last campaign. And Christie, who was, you know, supposedly this kind of savior in waiting for the Republican Party in 2012, didn't run then. You know, he's got a very uh, you know, single digit showing in New Hampshire and Iowa in 2016. And now he didn't even make it to Iowa this time around. So I think that both of those examples show that, um, you know, this kind of strategy is is kind of self-sacrifice. You are you are giving away your own personal political future. Um, and the fact that Christie did that, knowing that, you know, this would ultimately probably be the outcome, I think reinforces that this was him really much very much trying to make a point. Maybe Christie's timing of announcing the suspension of his campaign on the evening of that debate was also to prompt the kind of exchange such as it was that we heard there to kind of make Haley and DeSantis answer that question we heard framed in those terms by Jake Tapper of um, Christie dropping out and saying what he did about Trump's character. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so. Um, Christie has has made clear, you know, there's been a a narrative for a number of weeks now about, you know, how he could help Haley by dropping out. And his response to that has basically been, well, a lot of good that would do because Nikki Haley isn't doing the right thing. She is not taking Trump head on. She's not showing the kind of, you know, uh, um, you know, assertiveness to really go after him. So why would I necessarily help her? Now, I have a hard time believing that he doesn't prefer her as an option to Trump, but certainly that, you know, I think this is an, an effort to push her in that direction. Um, you know, she she didn't really take the bait too much in the debate on, on Wednesday night, um, but we'll see what happens specifically ahead of New Hampshire when, you know, voters who might be more receptive to that message play a bigger role in this process. Yeah. Did you hear anything new from either of them about the guy they actually have to beat? Uh Unless, I mean, there was there was not nothing in that clip we played. There was something. There was Haley talking about, you know, she's no drama, which was one of President Obama's nicknames, right? No drama, mm-hmm. Obama. So right. she said she's not. She's no drama. She's not into vengeance like Trump. That's something. And Haley said, uh, uh, Santa said, you know, he failed to build the wall. I'll succeed in building the wall. I mean, so it was something not nothing anything new there yeah there there were you know there was a a time at the beginning of the debate where both of them kind of recited the various things that they've been saying that are you know mildly critical of trump um you know the the national debt rising on his watch not building the wall things like that i think later in the debate it came back to that point and we got a little bit of new ground um haley specifically was asked about uh you know trump trying to overturn the election and she said that he will have to answer for January 6th. Now, 
This is something she said very shortly after January 6th. She was actually much harsher back then before kind of walking it back. Um, uh, but, you know, I think that was more a reflection of her kind of being put on the spot and having to go in a little bit more detail on that subject. They didn't, you know, they didn't really go hard at him. There, there was also a moment where DeSantis was asked about, you know, Trump talking about terminating the Constitution. He differed with that, but also described it as, quote unquote, word vomit, which is pretty dismissive and mm. suggests that it's not all that serious to begin with. So not not exactly a, a you know, heeding Chris Christie's device uh, advice to take Trump head on. Getting some nice Chris Christie love and texts and listener writes, Christie is the male version of Cheney, two courageous truth tellers. Another listener writes, Corey here in Hoboken. I was going to vote for Chris Christie. He was the only candidate with a spine to stand up to the Trumpists. In the same vein, I'll vote for whoever is not Trump. I'd like a moderate Republican who will work to get things done. And Kim in Maplewood, I think, is on that track. Kim, you're on WNYC. Hello. Yes. Uh, hi. I'm calling because Christie was um, a choice of mine originally because he, uh, for all the things that you just read in the test and stuff, but I think it, being from New Jersey, we I know all the history of of him and his um, prior bullying and and you know uh, all of the what he did. But it feels like he turned he had turned the tide and he had learned from that at least what he was saying. Um, so I appreciated his stand upness in um, what he was saying. But anyway, Nikki Haley would be my second choice in this because I feel like um, I'm tired of all the chicanery of you know the um, the candidates that are so uh, vengeful and bullying and sort of self-serving. And I feel like she's the most reasonable uh, voice in mm -hmm. the race. Kim, thank you very much. Um, so that's a, a point of praise from Kim in Maplewood, Aaron, when she says Nikki Haley seems like the most reasonable voice. For Trump, um, it's a, uh, an opportunity to paint her as too far to the left. Right. Which he did after Christie drops out, dropped out. Uh, Trump released something like, oh, even more reason for Nikki Haley to go even further to the left. Is Nikki Haley to the left of Donald Trump on any issues that can, that you can name? You know, I, I think that it's it's not so much a kind of a right left continuum. Trump is so hard to pin down on that and, and and always has been you know there there are many ways in which his policies are extreme but then he'll do something like on abortion where, where he'll say some of these abortion restrictions like in florida with the ban after six weeks are too harsh um you know i think what what the key difference here is nikki haley is very much a standard issue kind of george w bush era republican that has you know kind of fallen out of favor with where the party is now um, she, she, you know, kind of speaks in compassionate conservatism language. She's not, you know, overly critical of business interests in a way that, you know, other people in the party are right now. And so to a lot of people, that sounds like she's kind of a squish and she's, you know, too far to the middle. Um, I, I think what the, what the caller brings up is an interesting point though, which is what does Christie do now? If he says his goal is to influence the, you know, to try to defeat Trump, um, you know, option one is supporting Haley, but he just said that she would get smoked on that hot mic. Um, option two is supporting Biden, who would be the general election opponent. But he said he will not do that. 
Hmm. You know, would he back a third party candidate? But that risks kind of enabling Trump by taking votes away from Biden, potentially. There aren't a whole lot of easy answers to the extent that that Christie um, uh, wants to do that. And and he kind of boxed himself in by basically saying Nikki Haley has no chance last night. One listener texts, Christie enabled, boosted and supported Trump. Does he get a pass for this? We'll leave that as a rhetorical question. Uh, Another listener writes, as a New Jersey Democrat, I found myself in a great position of irony, rooting for Chris Christie to become the Republican nominee. And a listener texts, Christie should switch parties and run Democrat. Aaron, that's not going to happen, right? (laughs) You know, there was there was, you know, we talked about Liz Cheney before. There was some talk about that happening. Uh, You know, their their policies by and large, are are still conservative. The idea that they would be viable in a Democratic primary is very far-fetched, nor would Democrats like them once they became the Democratic standard bearer. So it's there's just not a practical route here. You know, I think it, it does raise some questions about, you know, potentially like a third-party candidacy. Uh, you know, would Chris Christie be in, interested in the no-labels ticket or something like that? I think you'll start to see a little bit of talk about that. Um, but right now, he just, he, you know, he's kind of a man without a political home. Interesting that we've gotten this far in this conversation about Chris Christie and nobody has said the word Bridgegate. Um, Although we of, did get a Fort, a Fort Lee reference at, at we one did. point here. We got a Fort Lee caller. Um, instead of criticizing Trump in the debate last night, DeSantis and Haley, who were the only two remaining candidates who qualified, by the way, for those of you who didn't watch, um, which is probably almost everybody, uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy did not qualify, though he's still in the race. But mostly they just bashed and bashed and bashed each other. Here's 30 seconds of a clip that CNN released as an example afterwards. If leadership's about getting things done, how did you blow through $150 million in your campaign and you were down in the polls? So here, you here's, are I not a manager. No, I, now I'm going to say. I think say, it's very instructive no, about what the economy Haley sees the world. I, I think I have the floor. Political Governor, advertisements Governor DeSantis, as like that's Governor, as important Governor as the DeSantis, kids Governor Haley has the floor. What is more important here? She's saying Governor somehow DeSantis, that that's it's not Governor as important. Haley's, it's, Haley, it's Governor Haley's time. Go ahead. I think I hit a nerve. So did you learn anything? Aaron, our guest is Aaron Blake, senior political reporter for The Washington Post. He writes their Campaign Moments newsletter. Did you learn anything about their positions on any of the issues and how they might differ from each other? For example, I see you listed Ukraine as a winner of last night's debate. Yeah, and and that's not because there's going to suddenly be a sea change in the Republican Party. But, um, you know, this is an issue on which the GOP has kind of steadily been moving against continuing to support Ukraine financially. And what we had was a a two-person debate that at least allowed the candidates at points to really drive a message at length. Um, And and Haley did that on Ukraine in a way that we don't see a whole lot these days, especially from a Republican. She basically argued that the amount of money we're spending there is is kind of a pittance and is well worth it when it comes to um, what it could potentially avoid in the future in both blood and treasure. Um, she she doubled down when when DeSantis pushed back on her and, and kind of echoed the more uh, non-interventionist wing of the party. And so I, I think it was a it was a significant moment. Um, you know, she's certainly been pro-Ukraine in the past, but she was allowed to kind of drive that home a little bit more than she has in the past. As, as for other new things, I, I don't think there was a whole lot. It was a lot of sniping back and forth. 
Um, I think that was perhaps to be expected because these two are really kind of fighting for that Trump alternative lane rather than running against him. Um, and so it probably leaves the race more or less where it began the night. And, and again, with the biggest development potentially being Christie dropping out. And so, listeners, I don't know if last night's debate is even worth reacting to. You can if you want. We're done with the Christie portion of the call in. Uh, the candidates mostly made it kind of a joke by making it more like an MMA match than an exchange of points of view on how to help Americans. But comment or ask a question if you like, 212-433-WNYC-433-9692. We may even get uh, have time to get to some other things with Aaron Blake from the Washington Post. I did not see the whole debate. Did they bring up the Civil War? There, uh, I don't recall there being a discussion of the Civil War. There was a moment when uh, kind of the other big recent Haley controversy came up, which is, you know, Trump's team unearthing um, video from 2015 when she said that we shouldn't call undocumented immigrants criminals. And she kind of walked that back to some degree. Um, and, and so I think that was, you know, the, kind of the, the, the momentary controversy that she was confronted with. So I see that Trump amplified yesterday a birther claim against Nikki Haley, completely false, unfounded, not what the law says. Are we clear enough? Uh, Like when Trump tried to say Barack Obama wasn't eligible to be president because he wasn't born in the United States, except he was. In this case, it's because Haley's parents were immigrants but not citizens at the time of her birth. But it's another Trump lie that is not the rule. If she was born here, the Constitution says she's a citizen and eligible to be president. So is Trump just stooping that low? And I think we can call it that racist yet again, like with Obama, to try to hang ineligible on a candidate of color? Yeah, I think it's worth noting that. Um, Nikki Haley's parents were also legal immigrants at the time. It's not, you know, a, a, a situation like that. Um, this is this is very much old hat for Trump. He has done this with, of course, Obama for many years. He did it with Ted Cruz around the Iowa caucuses eight years ago, almost exactly this time. Uh, then when Kamala Harris was the vice presidential pick uh, in 2020, he did the same thing. What we also see is that the theories involved here are getting more and more novel. You know, with Obama, it was based upon this false idea that he was not born in this country. With Cruz, there was actually, you know, some question about whether somebody who was born in Canada like he was could satisfy the natural born citizen requirement. With with Harris and with Haley, there's just no question because they were born in this country and that confers citizenship upon birth. And so it, it's an attempt to otherize people. Uh, it's, it's something where he got away with this for a, a lot of years. Republicans didn't really go after him hard. And so what does he do? He just keeps doing it when his political opponents are, are you know, presenting him with that opportunity. Aaron, before you go, uh, in our last few minutes, I see you've also got articles this week called Another GOP Impeachment Push, Another Struggle to isolate an offense. That's about the new impeachment process against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And one on all these Trump legal proceedings called Trump's legal flip-flops get their day in court. What do you mean by legal flip-flops? 
Yeah, so there's there's a lot of examples of Trump uh, having one standard for his political opponents and then uh, professing to have another standard for himself. So before he was indicted, he repeatedly called for the prosecutions of his political opponents. You know, he's complaining about being potentially kicked off the ballot under the 14th Amendment, but he has called for multiple opponents to be disqualified for various reasons, including the ones we talked about before with the birther stuff. And, and what we saw in court this week was where, when Trump was pushing this immunity claim in his uh, January 6th federal prosecution, his attorney was confronted with the fact that his attorney's during impeachment, argued that Trump could be prosecuted once he was no longer president. Now they're making a very different case. Uh, and I think it just kind of reinforced that Trump's standards on these things are often very self-serving and they change depending on the circumstances that are that are beneficial for him. And so uh, it, it was really interesting to, to listen to that hearing in the, the appeals court. I doubt it's going to turn out well for him in that appeals court, um, but we'll have to see, I guess. Aaron Blake is a senior political reporter for The Washington Post and writes their Campaign Moments newsletter. Let's keep talking this year, Aaron. Thanks a lot for today. I'd like that, Brian. Thank you. Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.